everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Abil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast. And today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for your avid comic book fan or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. And this is episode seven. Today we're going to be going over what we've been watching. Um, pretty light on news again here today. We have a topic brought to you by Nabil. And then we're going to be doing a full review on the new film, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. So let's start out by what we're watching. Hey, what you watching? So, Nabil, let's start out with you here since you came back from your uh, hiatus, I guess we could say. <laughs> He's here. We yeah, found him. Hiatus. We found him outside digging through the trash. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, it's like so, a feral cat. <laughs> so, Nabil, uh, what have you been watching, man? Well, since I have been gone for a while, I did actually uh, watch a few things. Movie-wise, uh, the one movie that I did see on the plane back was The Mummy. Oh, wow. How yeah. was it? The, the Tom Cruise one? Uh, yeah. Let me tell you that I am a fan of Tom Cruise, but even he can't do good in this movie. Like, he there, he plays a smug bad guy who kind of has a heart of gold, but not really. And he just really tries to play off cocky, and you hate him the whole time. I heard, yeah, I've heard uh, from a review I listened to on Slash Film. They talk about he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Right? And it's really like, it throws you off. Like, you don't want to watch him. And in most movies that he's in, well, he, you want to see him even when he's a little smug. But this one did just make him look like a terrible person. So he just played himself in the movie. <laughs> but maybe in real life. <laughs> it's just he, like, from what, isn't he talking about like all these women that he slept with and all this stuff? Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's, so he's, he's super, a dirtbag. Super likable. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, likable. And, and the rest of the movie, I mean, there, Russell Crowe's scene is just a scene. Um, the the bad guy is essentially if you've seen um, Suicide Squad, the same bad guy, same exact storyline over there. Oh damn! Uh, so I mean, the movie has nothing new to add. The only thing that I liked is um, the side character who I don't remember the guy's name. He's he's in some he's usually in some kind of TV shows. Uh, uh, from like, New Girl, right? Yeah, from New Girl. That's it. Um, and he's pretty funny. Um, but then he's only good in the beginning, and then he shows up somewhere in the middle, and it just seems pointless. So, um, yeah, Mummy is just as bad as um, all the reviews show it, unfortunately. And I really wanted to try to like it, but... There Are was you still looking forward to any of the other Dark Universe movies? I was never really into it to begin with, but, I mean, <laughs> if that's what they want to build towards, uh, I guess, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they can do more with... Uh, from what it looked like to me, it kind of looked like um, that film with uh, Sean Connery, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Gentlemen, um, they kind of try to set it up like that almost, but instead oh, of wow. starting with the team coming together it was more like here's what one person was doing and now they're here in the headquarters kind of like a shield setup, you know and then oh, they're, really? they're, okay. they're, that's how they're just independent just and weird. then bridging it together somewhere in the middle of the movie so maybe javier bardem and johnny depp can yeah hold the film they, a little better maybe i'm thinking so i mean there's there's i mean there's a lot of characters right in the monster universe so i'm sure they could do something with it but just if they're trying to if they're going to base it all off of how this movie is, The Mummy, then I'd say that it's a pretty bad start. It, it doesn't seem like it's easy to to make like a whole team ensemble movie. I mean, no. Marvel makes it look easy, but they had a whole like formula and like a plan set in motion. And it seems like most everyone else that's trying to do this is sort of like scrambling to catch up. 
and like it sounds like to me like that's what the movie looked like yeah. or plays out. Not not to mention even the director like backed out of this film now. The uh, like he was supposed to be oh, like shit. the the Joss Whedon of like the uh, overseeing everything. Yeah, he's overseeing the whole dark universe, but he he's like, nope, I'm good. Yeah, it's I mean, so hopefully it gets fixed. I don't know. I hope so. I what it needs to be is scarier. Why do they I still to want to see this film though? I, I'd say I'm, I'm still curious, want to I'm lightweight curious. <laughs> I just I, want to see how horrible it I, is. I have nothing good to say about the film, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'd That's say bad. still it's worth watching for some reason because you know they they say they're gonna probably do another film, right? They're they're pretty no, much no. They solid d- for they definitely are still doing. Yeah, films. so it's not I mean, canceled. it's it's really is the origin story. I did like Russell Crowe's part in it. But again, it's very small. The focus was on Tom Cruise and just everything that he did and every his whole plot was it, it just wasn't good. <laughs> there was <just laughs> nothing about it that I liked. Uninteresting at all. Yeah, not at all. I mean, that was really the, the only movie that I'd seen since I've been gone. But um, I have been watching some TV. Fall TV is back, which I'm happy for because I have some shows that I do like to watch. Um, be Number one being Designated Survivor. It's that uh, Kiefer Sutherland show where uh, essentially... The first season, this is the second season now, the first season is where uh, everybody in uh, politics and the government dies, all of Congress, all of uh, the executive branch, they all something happens, a terrorist act happens, and they all die, and he is the last one surviving because he was a designated survivor, and he becomes president. And so I feel like you're describing 24 right now. Basically. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not mad at it because he actually makes, uh, he becomes president instead of, you know, trying to save the world from behind the scenes. Um but it's it's way more political, of course. It's not as action based, but it has a lot of those kind of weird overarching plots that are that seem kind of far fetched, but slightly enjoyable still. Um, and and that's you don't have to watch the first season to watch the second one, but it is recommended because it does kind of carry through. Um, but I saw the first episode and it's still just as good. Um, so I recommend watching that for sure. Um, and I've, I've also been watching uh, that show American Vandal on uh, Netflix. As have I. Yeah, the mockumentary. That's a uh, pretty funny stuff. <laughs> oh, that released already, huh? Yeah, Who I drew the dicks. Out? Yeah, <laughs> Can't, they got to figure it out. It's a big mystery, and and it's uh, they they really do take it seriously, and it's hilarious <laughs> because they do. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's a full season too. Yeah, like, it's like a 10, whole 12 10 episodes, episodes. I think. I think it's a little less, less than that. They're only like 30 minutes each, though. Yeah. 25, 30 minutes each. They're super short. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely worth checking it out. If, you're, if you like those kind of documentaries and also kind of like uh, the, like if you like those Lonely Island movies that they do. Um, it's actually HBO. really well done, yeah, though, as a documentary, really well. <laughs> which is strange to wow. say. It's kind of making fun of uh, making a murder. That's it. Yeah. yeah. How to make so, a murder. Yeah. So the premise, of, it's from Funny or Die, co-produced by yes. them. So if you watch it, just it's kind of like a long skit, but it's actually pacing is pretty well done in that show. No, the trailer looked really good. Yeah, definitely worth the watch. And, and again, hilarious. Yeah, and that's streaming on Netflix right now. Yeah, that's all I've been watching. Nice, uh, Marco. What about you, man? Uh, I've been watching a bunch of Quentin Tarantino movies lately oh, for my some favorite. for some reason. I don't know. They were just. That's not a bad thing. It's yeah, they were. I mean, they were right. streaming, and I, you know, went down the rabbit hole. Started with one, and then just sort of continued what did on. You, uh, which ones did you uh, check uh, out? Streaming so, on streaming on what though? So uh, I I saw Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction, and they're streaming on Netflix. And then uh, Kill Bill Volume One and Two, which is essentially just like one long movie, but I'll count it as two. 
and they were streaming for free on Xfinity on demand, but now you have to pay to rent them. Mm-hmm. So they're still available for rent on there, but Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction is still on Netflix if you if you subscribe to it. Um, and I mean, unless you've been living under a rock the last few years, I mean, and haven't seen these movies, which I know at least two people who probably have not seen any of these movies. So, oh uh, Inglorious Bastards, uh, and I'm just gonna like kind of skim through these because most people are familiar no, that's with fun. Movies, yeah, but it, Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, uh, and Melanie Laurent are really like the three, the main three. Um, well, yeah, Michael Fassbender in it too, but he's got a really small oh, role. I always forget he's in that film. Yeah, dude, I forgot about it too when Mex- I was watching um, it. The and, Mexican standoff. Yeah, um, but basically, there, uh, Brad Pitt has a special forces team codenamed Inglorious Bastards, and they use guerrilla and psychological warfare against Nazis. And at the same time, you've got this uh, Nazi SS colonel named Landa, played by Christoph Waltz, uh, who's hunting. Uh, this takes place in our World War II, by the way. Uh, so I forgot to mention so that. So you know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Christoph uh, Lan- Waltz plays uh, Colonel Landa, who's uh, hunting Jews and hiding during uh, Nazi the reign of uh, Nazi Germany. And uh, one of his escapees, Shosana, who's played by Laurent, is uh, in hiding in, in uh, Paris, France. And basically, like, it's divided into different segmented stories, and the, these people, their paths come together that in various circumstances lead them to their final event uh, towards the end of the movie. But um, it's very enjoyable. I forgot how good that movie really was and how much I enjoyed it. The, the action, the violence, um, and even just, like, the I enjoy the storytelling. Um, not It's not very big on character development, Per se, but uh, still very enjoyable. If especially if you're a fan of uh, Quentin Tarantino, as um, we all are at this table. So, streaming on Netflix, check it out. I think uh, that film too, specifically Christoph Waltz's performance is probably the best performance in the entire film. He won an Academy yeah. Award oh, yeah, for it, for sure. yeah, for best um, supporting actor. And I think if you haven't seen it, just his performance alone is worth uh, checking that film out. And it's and it's really uh, for anybody who hates Nazis from World War Two. It's very satisfying to see that film because it's 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 true, but it, it ends on a farce. And um, just seeing how the events play out and what could have happened, um, it just it makes you feel like yeah, you know, we could have yeah. done this. It's gonna happen. <laughs> this is the way it should have been. Yeah. You know, it was just seeing that. And you know, Tarantino has a way of making very uh, hot button topics. Um, Somehow palatable, you know, yeah. For what's, the masses. What's your guys? Uh, this is kind of a side one here, but what are you guys' favorite Tarantino films? Oh, um, or if one film, like, what's the, your like all time favorite Tarantino film? Oh well, Tarantino for me, it's it's actually my favorite movie is Reservoir Dogs, like hands down. Pulp Fiction for me. I don't know. I I just watching these these four films. Um, I I actually ended up watching Pulp Fiction twice. I know yes. it was such a uh, my mine. Uh, I like Jackie Brown the best. Oh, it's a great film too. A lot of that's people forget it's underappreciated right a lot of times. Yeah, that's one of the, I've seen it like four or five times. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on my list also to watch because it's also streaming on Netflix as that well. They had a bunch of them on there. Super good, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. Next one I saw Pulp Fiction, really old movie from '94. Wow, I'm old. Uh, yeah, it stars John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman, Bruce Willis, Ving Rhames, Tim Roth, like just a whole ensemble cast. Like, uh, there's a lot of good cameos in there as well, too, that I won't spoil. You guys, if you haven't seen it, just check it out. Uh, but um, in a nutshell, basically, like two hitmen, uh, Travolta and Jackson, are retrieving a valuable briefcase for the boss, Marcellus Wallace, 
played by Ving Rhames, and it leads them down a rabbit hole full of events, which, at the same time, this is going on. Wallace makes a deal uh, for a fixed boxing match featuring Bruce Willis's character. All their stories are told in segments as well, too, similar to uh, Inglorious Bastards, and uh, they, they pl- each each segment is like placed at a different time as well, too. It's not a linear story, but they all like just come in connecting at the end. Um, again, very great storytelling. Just uh, Tarantino has a good way at like really being different and distinct from other directors and when the way he tells stories. Uh, he, he always has a lot of good, long, drawn-out conversations in there that add tension to a scene without much action. And I'm just I'm always surprised at how well he's able to do this. Uh, a lot of good, uh, memorable scenes in this movie as well. But um, again, um, it's definitely my favorite Tarantino movie. Cool. Uh, anything else you've been watching on top of that or just kind of those? Uh, those, uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Um, check those out as well. They, they mainly star Uma Thurman on there, but it's, it's man. It's a revenge flick. Yeah, revenge flick. If, if you like a lot of gore and action and... Uh, old school kung fu movies. You'll definitely enjoy that one. Um, aside from that, keeping up with Rick and Morty. I know the season finale just uh, premiered this last weekend. Um, again, and this is probably the third or fourth time I'm going to say this. Get on Rick and Morty. Check out this fucking season. It is hands down their best season out there right now. Like I just, I'm blown away at the writing for this season. I don't know about you guys. But um, no, I really liked it too. I finished the uh, season finale last night, and that was really well done. Yeah, yeah, nice that season little... finale kind of fucked with me, but yeah. I don't know. I fucked with you, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that want to spoil okay. it for the bill, but yeah, we, well, it just yeah, yeah, kind of like just left on a weird note. But anyway, it kind of does. But um, yeah. hopefully, we don't have to wait another two and a half years for the next season. Yeah. Um, what about you, James? What have you been watching? So Gotham came back on season four. Yeah, and. Um, are you still watching that, Bill? I did not finish the last season. I was like behind four episodes. So oh, it's a good one, behind. man. It's okay. I have not watched a single season, Whoa. so I'm way behind. I think Gotham might be one of the better DC shows too. So for anybody that, if you don't know, Gotham is a kind of retelling of the beginning of Batman. I'd say like it really follows. Yeah, it follows Commissioner Gordon mostly. Which is kind of like how he comes to Gotham and kind of cleans up the place a bit. Not really all the time, but it's a, yeah, it's, just it's, like an, it's an origin story for everyone. So like yeah. Penguin, Bruce Wayne, everyone like that. And it's like a what if universe, right? Because it's it yeah. doesn't follow the actual origin story of the real characters. Yeah, no, the, yeah. Uh, the, it's loosely based. So yeah, and, and I actually think that's better because they get a lot of um, really good moments in this show. I'd say that the acting's really good. Ben McKenzie's the main character too that plays it's Commissioner Gordon. And he does really well. And everybody even even at first I didn't really like the girl that plays like eventually Catwoman and the dude that plays Batman, but then after a while they, they kind of grow on you, on you like yeah. super well. Character progression in this show is really well done too. If you're a fan of Batman or any DC comic like that, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I hear nothing but good things about it. I just uh have it sitting in my queue right now because I know it, like it's streaming on Netflix. Um, yeah, I think the first they three seasons. Also, yeah, and they also have the more recent ones on Hulu. The the nice thing about Gotham is that they know where Batman's strengths are. The series, which is in their villains, and they spend a lot of time developing them. You you know they have they do little tosses uh, 
aside here and there for some of the smaller villains that will have eventually a bigger role in the show. Yeah. But when whoever they're focusing on for that season or that uh, story arc, they really focus on them and, and you kind of get their point of view on what happened and how they became that way. And, um, you know, whether it's just because they're straight up crazy or some event happened that made them the way they are. But they really do spend the right amount of time on those villains and, and show how formidable formidable they could be when batman really becomes you know the dark knight so when commissioner gordon is or not commissioner i guess he's just detective he's gordon l- yeah, lieutenant lieutenant so he's um dealing with these criminals to them to him they're just crazy people yeah which they which they are but they're not like you know arch nemesis or, or <laughs> villains or anything like that. they're just I, uh, crazy people uh, yeah I, I feel like that. I wouldn't those... say that so much right now. <laughs> the current season, no. yeah, it, it's definitely changed a bit. But I, I feel like those those types of origins are really uh, to the tune of DC and their Batman villains. To where if you look at how uh, each villain in in Batman was created, it's always due to some certain like some event or something, some bad circumstance as well. Too similar to like Batman's origin as well. Too where his creation is based off of a really bad event in his life. Right. And um, it also like kind of as probably stretch, but it also reminds me like the way the first two Tim Burton movies kind of like established the villains as well, too, with some like horrific event happening and creating the villains, which I, I tend to like. Like you said, Nabila makes it makes those characters more interesting. Yeah. I'd say it's a little more grounded, too, compared to like Marvel films and Marvel shows. A lot of the bad guys and villains in Gotham are kind of more grounded in reality of like how they became that. Nice. There's still some weird shit. Don't get me wrong. Of course. People coming back from the dead, but that's every comic book uh, show. Yeah. Uh, that that plays on Thursdays though. I believe it's at ten on, o'clock, which is Fox. like on Fox. Ten o'clock on Thursday, which is like the fucking dead time for show. So this is like a make or break season for it. So definitely give it a look so they don't cancel it i just really want to see this guy become batman <laughs> it's getting there too man speaking of which i also watched uh the 1989 batman movie classic it's streaming on hulu right now so i decided to check it out because it's been like 10 years and then on top of that i got to see it in like 4k which is cool oh, nice mm. um man i forgot how good that movie was D- yeah i actually forgot a lot about that movie period because of the newer Christopher Nolan films, too. It's nice to see it. Michael Keaton as Batman does really well. And then Jack Nicholson as a Joker. He's a great Joker. He's a lot yeah. better than I remember yeah. him as. He's a really good Joker. Dude, when yeah, I was that, a kid, I was like, okay, I guess. That, that's what like the big hype was when Heath Ledger took over. Because Jack Nicholson left such a big impression. I mean, that many of the Jokers like are still based off of his interpretation of the Joker. Um, I know, like the animated series, and even some of the uh, like Arkham Asylum uh, video games, like really kind of like stayed close or semi close to his character and his version. No, Jared Leto's the best. Um, So (laughs) I finished, like I said, Rick and Morty. I've been watching American Vandal. Uh, Family Guy just started 16th season last night. Wow, I saw that premiere. Thought it was okay. What do you think? Do you think it's done? It's getting a little long. The Simpsons done? Like it's pretty much at its peak. No, I still laughed at a couple parts. Yeah. Family Guy itself, I think, is even they're becoming more aware that they do the same thing because that was kind of the running joke last night yeah. was like they're trying to get an Emmy. So <laughs> they're trying to switch it up and be more serious. I don't know. I think actually the one that surprised me was uh, South Park started last uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. And I don't think either the last two episodes were funny at all. 
Well, they they went away from the story arc that they were doing the the, the connecting to episode they eight. Still episode. have a somewhat connected story for this season, still. but not as like intense as the last two seasons were doing. And they said they were doing that on purpose because of what happened during the last season and the elections had changed up on them and they had to redo everything on the fly. They said they were going to kind of go back to what they were doing before they like made everything pretty much back to back. Yeah, no, I just you know it's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then on top of that, I went and saw the new Darren Aronofsky film, Mother. And, man, that was a weird one. I gotta say. It Sorry. is an Aronofsky movie. Yeah, but I I think Darren Aronofsky creates two types of different films. He's like, he can create somewhat of a mainstream film and then also a super, super artistic film. Don't get me wrong, he's like super artistic to begin with. So, yeah. if you've seen his other films like Pie or Wrecking for a Dream... Uh, the wrestler, Black Swan. I'd say those are all pretty main. Not pie, but every all the other ones are pretty mainstream. You like anybody could follow those films. Yeah, they follow a pretty traditional storyline arc and rising climax, falling climax, all that crap. Yeah. Um, especially Black Swan and uh, the wrestler, really good ones. Yeah, Black Swan. Maybe the ending confuses people. It changes and things up in the end. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but I would say for the most part, you kind of figure it out, right? Especially every film has a message, basically, and those are pretty easy to read. I'd say Mother's closely related more, like, theme-wise to his previous film, The Fountain. Hmm. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Hugh Jackman? I I have, and, uh, man, I've seen that movie multiple times, and, man, you you get me. I still don't know what the fuck's going on in that movie. Yeah, no, I've seen it four times, and I still don't know what's going on in that movie. (laughs) I had to fucking, like, Google things afterwards for The Fountain. I was like, what is what the fuck does this mean, dude? <laughs> so same thing happened with Mother, right? So I had to I had to kind of look it up afterwards. There's a lot of it's so it stars Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. And how can I say this without ruining it for everyone? Basically they live kind of in the middle of nowhere, just the two of them. Yeah, Javier Bardem is a poet. Just He's the a- two of us. And basically, the arrival of two strangers kind of throws them off. Uh, that's all I'll say, I guess. I don't know. It's well, too hard. It's, it's no, kind of hard to explain what that's That's basically it. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Two strangers show up and then um, kind of throws off what their lifestyle is together. Uh, and, and and things just start getting disruptive in that house because of it. And the relationship starts kind of getting on the rocks. Yeah. And I would say, too, that... Maybe the trailer super threw me off a little bit. It's misleading because it makes because, it look like it's a horror film. Yeah, it looks like a horror film. It makes it look like maybe psychological horror, which in a way it kind of is if you think about it. But the film itself is a huge religious allegory. Wow. Yeah, because the so, uh, I, I'm with uh, Nabil where the trailer makes it look like a, like it's like, oh, wow, Aronofsky's going the horror so route. That's I'm going to spoil it for like two minutes here so if you don't want to hear about it just jump ahead so like so the film itself is there's a lot of religious allegories to it a lot of metaphors it's kind of like a representation of like god and um his creation and jennifer lawrence represents mother earth in a way yeah so and it's about like the abuse toward earth and like what god has done that's all i want to say really yeah and and the way not i'm not gonna spawn anything but the way it ends too he 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 shows it where like god is all forgiving but does not have to answer to you is the way i also well even without going into spoilers i think it's also if you look at it in another way it's like creativity itself is something that is 
some when someone isn't creating something, they get bored. And if they're not surrounded by um, other creative folk or their own creations, I think you can kind of lose sight of what who you are in a way. But it also at the end shows you that it's a never ending cycle, hmm. and it just eventually it repeats itself. Yeah, that's all I'll say. I think the movie is definitely worth a watch. You have to go in, like uh, James was talking to me earlier about, fully paying attention. You don't want to be distracted. There's a lot of allegories and there's a lot of metaphor. And if you go in with a relatively open mind, there's some stuff inside there that even, you know, if you you have a the most creative minds, you can look at it and be like, uh, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, it's, um, it's still pretty bizarre. Right. But it is worth uh, worth a watch. But the more that I sit on it, like at first, I didn't think too much about it. But like a day, it's been about 24 hours now. 24 hours since I've seen it and I gotta say I kind of like I've been thinking about it like all day kind of it's one of those movies that makes you think it's not gonna just blatantly even though I think Aronofsky is still pretty heavy with the metaphors himself and the imagery in all of his films really yeah I want to say that he's pretty heavy-handed even in this one I picked up on a lot of the religious tones pretty early on I just needed help I think kind of piecing it together I think with Aronofsky, like with with almost all his movies, like they kind of stick with you for a few days, and you just kind of have to sit on it. Um, I mean, maybe not really with the wrestler; it's pretty straightforward. But still, like you, um, like you said, James are very heavy handed, and um, like he he writes some really deep shit, man. Yeah. So that's just how he is. But hey, I'm still gonna check it out. I mean, I, I'm I'm an Aronofsky fan, so uh, yeah. I'll, you know, based on what you guys are saying, it sounds like something I'll be interested in. So yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. So uh, that's what I've been basically watching here. Uh, now we're going to jump into a couple little news topics here before we jump into Nabil's topic. What's in the news? So, guys, I got to ask you here real quick. Do you guys like Liam Neeson? Uh, fuck right yeah. Now. Yeah, he's pretty awesome, right? right. Especially the last couple years. He's done a lot of action films. I want to say it started really with taken for the most part and then it was a downward spiral from there not a down you know what i mean he did a lot of fucking action he did a films. lot of action films <laughs> like for instance he was in uh after that um Ooh. after taken he was in wasn't he in the he also Marshall. he did the 18 yeah non-stop he, did, he was in non-stop yeah. he did we run the night i kind of like that one yeah uh, walk amongst the tombstones walk amongst the tombstones really good so one. pretty cool uh, a while back, apparently, he had told everybody that he was going to stop doing action films. He had told everybody that, you know, he's 65 years old and that eventually they get, need to realize he's like an old dude. Uh, good news, though, for all the Liam Neeson fans <laughs> is he's basically unretiring from what he said because he basically, this is his statement here. He told Variety, he said, It's not true. Look at me. You're talking in the past tense. I'm going to be doing action movies until they bury me in the ground. I'm unretired. <laughs> That's a beast. So fucking Qui-Gon Jinn is back, guys. Yes! If only he was back in Star Wars. He died. Spoiler. Man, come on. That's a heavy topic for James, dude. So, yeah, actually, he's one of my favorite, favorite ones. Jedi, man. Yeah, one of them. Um, so, by the way, he is in a new movie coming out called The Commuter. It's coming out in January 2018. That's another action film. And he's probably going to be just fucking just rolling through with these for a while. <laughs> Murdering. He's got another one after that called Hard Powder. I'm assuming it's oh, either gosh. about cocaine or. <laughs> That's my first thought. He's got <laughs> a musket like, uh, and he's just shooting or, people. Or it's, with a, it's a Civil War flick. I don't know, man. You tell me. <laughs> either or, expect a lot of death. Yeah. 
He's going to be threatening a lot of people on top of that. All right, so on top of that, uh, just randomly here for any of our video game fans, Sonic the Hedgehog is going to be a movie, actually. Paramount today picked up the rights to this. They're grasping for straws. Yeah, that is so fucking crazy. Is it a live action, CG? So the thing is, the Deadpool director, the first one, Tim Miller, he's going to be executive producing it. Oh, so that maybe means this might be more of a kind of a comedy action film, perhaps. Yeah, according to the Hollywood Reporter, it's going to be blended uh, live action, action with CG. and CG. Yeah. Oh. So think of maybe like the Smurfs. That's Smurfs. all that comes to so mind. So I'm predicting it's going to be that. absolutely fucking terrible. Same. So Neil Patrick Harris is the lead character. Oh, it's got to be right. Yeah. <laughs> so for our final little topic here. Uh, it happened, guys. Oh, it no. It finally happened. Miracles are real. Nabil and I got our movie passes. The goddamn skies, like, parted. I opened up the mailbox, opened up the envelope, and it was it shone so bright with the... Reflection of the sun coming off the card. I was blinded. <laughs> Red little plastic card. So, Nabila, did you actually use yours? I have not used mine yet. No. All right, well, fuck. <laughs> well, James sent me a picture of his card, so I used his. No, I'm just <laughs> so, well, here we go, guys. I actually used it on Sunday to watch Mother. Nice. So, it's really easy to use, actually. So, you download the MoviePass app, and you have to be within 100 yards of the theater to check into the movie that you want to see through the app what the fuck through the app yeah so basically the way that it works is i was at like the stoplight and already checked in because you know i like to text and drive frequently so i don't really care about the rules of the road james practiced the safety first yeah i was driving with my knees and then texting not a big deal (laughs) so i went on the app checked into mother it said okay everything's loaded uh go up to the kiosk and buy your ticket with the card which now that i think about it i probably could have gone to the kiosk unmanned kiosk but i you know what i don't why i don't use it is because i wanted to use my regal crown club card crown club card and i don't think i don't have one that can scan on that thing that's why but the, is it so it's compatible with Sorry, the anyway, cards though I, maybe i'm not sure about the kiosk so <laughs> i stood in line got to the girl and then i was just like fuck how this works because supposedly it deposits the money onto the card <laughs> give you a blank fucking card <laughs> I know, right? She's like, the fuck is this? I'm like, it's a ma- MasterCard. She's like, get the fuck out of here. Did she look at you funny when you No, not at all. She's like, cool. I gave her my Regal Crown Club card to get my points. Uh, swipe the card. Got my ticket, and I was good. Hey, that's great. I mean, if it's really that easy, then, I mean, would you recommend other people to use it then? I would. I haven't, once again, if I can use that kiosk too, that would be even easier. Just to avoid the lines. I'll, I'll probably try it next time. Yeah. Because that actually is, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up today. I'm curious how it will interact with AMC because I know they were they were highly against. The it actually program. will still work at AMC. Now, they only have blocked the e-ticketing format, which is only available in Denver and Chicago. So that happened, right? So if you go say in the morning and check in, say you're driving somewhere, going to the gym. Yep, you can buy a ticket in, early. Buy the ticket actually, early for a movie, right? I don't know that yet. I, I can't I can't confirm because right. I didn't do it. Because I'm thinking about that. Maybe if you were to go there a little earlier than you're showing. You know, not at the time of the showing. Get your ticket ahead of time. When there's not as many people, you can walk in once, uh, say, 7.30 showing. I think you have to go within 30 minutes of the film. 
I once again I can't confirm that, that yeah. yet. Yeah. I will try that next time and report back. But that's that's smart because the thing is because you have to be there physically in person to buy a ticket. It would make more sense if, for instance, you had a couple hours to kill. What if you just went four hours early to, to pick up your ticket, right? Right. Hmm. That'd be cool. I don't know. I'll have to check it out. All right. And that was our news for the week here. Coming up now, we have our topic of the week brought to you by Nabil. It's the topic of the week. So this week's topic is do we think that the mainstream audiences are ready for females and minorities to take over movies and TV? And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of, say, for instance, action films that have a lot of lead char- male characters, mostly Caucasian, but there's also been uh, some really successful, say, female-led films, such as uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, there's the uh, Creed movie that was starring an African-American. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Mm-hmm. Jordan. Um, there's an upcoming movie, Tomb Raider. Uh, we have... Starring of Alicia Vikander. There you go. And Black Panther as well coming up, the Marvel film, which I have no <laughs> Chad- Chadwick something, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so, Michael B. Jordan's in it, too. Yeah, he's in it. Trust too. me, by the, by the end of Black Panther, we're all going to know the main dude's name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there, so those all those films that I just mentioned look like they're going to be great, and two of them were great. So to me... Do you think that Hollywood should be ready to start making uh, movies that have uh, that have differently characters instead of the typical, I mean, Captain America film? You know, like just the w- white male. In, in like, a nu- in a nutshell, in a um, in a short answer, uh, I think they, well, they should. Are they are they ready? Is Hollywood ready? Uh, in my opinion, I don't think they seem ready. Even though it's like slapping in the face that it's definitely something that audiences will enjoy and. Uh, it it could be part of like the norm in mainstream Hollywood. It, and there's there's plenty of examples, TV specifically, right? So if you see TV, it's it's already in people's homes. Like oh, shows like Blackish, yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones on Netflix was still female. I know you weren't the biggest fan, James, but it was a really good show. Uh, Hands made it's still. debatable. Yeah, Hands made silk that won True. an Emmy. That was a great show. Um, even the Asian family comedy, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, yep. they're really well. Absolutely. You, you got Atlanta. Right. Um, you have Master of None, which we talked about in our in our previous episode when Nabil wasn't here. But those are two excellent yeah. shows that have leads that are mi- minorities, that star minorities. And that were also written by them as well, too, to show that, they, that TV can produce and release these types of shows. Mr. Robot as well, too. Rami Malek is the main star on there. Um, it also has uh, strong female leads in, in in that show. You have iZombie as well, which yeah. I, I have not seen the show, but it's on my queue because I hear really good things I about the James show. James is a big fan of that show. Yeah, iZombie is really well done. It's one of those film, I mean, TV shows mm-hmm. that is part of the Vertigo universe, which is kind of like an offshoot of DC Comics. Um, I highly recommend that one. And that is mostly female-driven in that in that show, so... And guys, don't forget Supergirl. I mean, I know the second yeah. season kind of, you know, sucks, but the first season was great. Like, I enjoyed the first season a lot of Supergirl. And, and I, I think if the, if the third season turns around, then it, it can really be one of, you know, DC's leading shows. And there's and, and that's a good example because a lot of these shows, um, 
don't have to be minorities, right? Supergirl could easily be Superman doing some, uh, you know, maybe not exactly the same, but similar yeah. and be campy in that way. Aziz Ansari's Master of None, though it was written by a minority, his character could really be anybody, yep. right? For the most part. So why it, can't it translate into Hollywood movies um, as it's already in TV? Well, I, I, I have a list here, uh, well, a few lists on, on showing... Movies that have proved that it can be done. Whether or not you agree on these movies, these are. Uh, I, IndieWire had uh, a list of uh, 33 uh, movies with with black leads that grossed over a hundred million dollars. So uh, one of the ones that really stands out is a, a recent one, uh, Get Out by Jordan Peele. Great movie. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, Training Day, Antoine Fuqua as well, grossed over a hundred million dollars. Uh, here's a classic, Waiting to Exhale. Uh, yeah, directed by Forrest Whitaker, over $100 million. Uh, Fate of the Furious. Everyone has seen that movie. Uh, that's Gary Gary. That show, yeah. yeah, over $100 million. Here's a classic one that you wouldn't think of. Scary Movie. Kenan Ivory Waynes. Also, you know, over $100 million. Say what you will about the Scary Movie franchise. Hey, I like the first few movies. They were pretty funny. But the fact that it, it was a success says something right there. The only thing I would say between all those, though, is that they are kind of few in in between year wise right but all i'm trying to point out is that it, it it's been done it's, the, the thing right. is it's, it's been glossed over it's been like these sparks that have hit throughout the last couple decades i'd say that have have kind of erupted and you, you can see that they do well but then for every one of those though i'd say there's probably a ton of other films though that just fail yeah and I I also pulled out one on latina.com that goes over uh the highest grossing movies starring latinos as well or that have latinos in starring roles mm-hmm. um obviously this is a it, this one's kind of a stretch but i'll include it in there because it was on the list but the force awakens with oscar isaacs is in there um yeah. Ava- avatar zoe saldana um furious seven michelle rodriguez uh skyfall javier bardem uh and uh despicable me too with benjamin Britt. Again, it's it's something that that can be done, and I think that is glossed over. I mean, these were very well recepted by the audiences, and some of these are series. So obviously, whether they were, whether they were recepted well or not, doesn't excuse the fact that they've financially been successful. And yeah, there there are a few that were uh, critically acclaimed, and some that weren't. But ultimately, they're they're showing they're showing their footprint in Hollywood, and that audiences. Are welcoming these movies like they're like just regular movies. There's there's no reason why we shouldn't have more of these like that. And I mean, like these films, can they be carried by a single actor though? Like, can every movie really be Denzel Washington, Will Smith, you know, and back in the '90s, Antonio Banderas? You know, like could those <laughs> all films going back? Be, I know, really going back. But like, I was telling James earlier that um, back in the early 2000s. Any Tom Cruise film that was made, you could have essentially slotted in Will Smith in that same role and yeah. it would have been the same thing. And it yes. would have been fine, the characters yes. that he did. Is that the same thing now, though? Like, they I could think, have done it back then, but I think is that something now? Uh, audiences are more open to it nowadays. Yeah. Back then, let's face it, there's a lot of, <clears throat> you know, prejudice and racism toward men of color, I'd say. So, especially... You know, we're, we're looking at 80s, 90s to today, I guess, from what we're looking at. And I'd say that we're op- we're more open to it, but still, some of the most successful films of the last two years still star white dudes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 
the big money makers. For every Moonlight, yeah, Moonlight's great, right? All black cast. It's about a homosexual black man on top of that. You know, it just it didn't actually make that much money though. No. It won everything, but as you know from Oscar films, a lot of those are indie films or um, limited release. I mean, a good point in that sense is La La Land was a, a white cast film. Yeah, and um, it did amazing. And it did well, not only uh, with the crit- you know, critically well, but it did commercially well as well. And by no means am I saying I love white people film, by the way. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm on the white people's side or the Caucasians are the way to go with films going forward. No, I, I support, you know, women and minorities going forward. Uh, look at my list here. 2016, for instance, had a lot of flops that it, uh, had white, <clears throat> white. I don't want to keep saying white people. Start Caucasian, Caucasian males. Okay. Ben-Hur. I don't know why they made that film. That lost <laughs> a lot of mo- money, man. As Bill said, no one asked for it. No one asked for uh, it. The VFG. <laughs> that totally tanked. Big fucking guy. <laughs> it lost uh, like a hundred million dollars, and that's a Spielberg film. I really think that's just marketing. But actually, it's marketing. not a bad movie. Uh, Gods mm. of Egypt, another whitewashed film. Definitely. That w- and you know what? There's Strangely enough, in there. not a bad movie. It's so bad, it's good. Jeez. Um, another one, Allied with Brad Pitt, did terrible. It oh, lost yeah. uh, about almost uh, ninety million dollars. Some would say that's a film that ruined uh, their marriage. Yep, Finest Hour starring Chris Pine, Deepwater Horizon starring Mark Wahlberg, all of them tanked. But on you know, for every one of those, there's still another one like Ghostbusters, the reboot, did terrible. And they I lost liked. oh fifty to seventy million dollars, and that's, that's an crazy. all female cast. And that's simply because people didn't want it, didn't want that movie. So I don't think it always comes down to people. Uh, it's not because they're being sexist. Some people straight up just didn't ever want another Ghostbusters movie. I, I think they I think wanted a, Ghostbusters three, and it never came out. I think it's a mixture of that, and also like what you were saying, James. How and Nabil, it's it's sporadic. That's a thing. Like these these movies with, where there are minorities or there are strong female leads. They're sporadic, and that's why they're. they're that's why over. I agree with Marco. It's, it's it needs to happen more often. It, it, these movies, maybe like, not so often. I think maybe sometimes the studios need to really just come out with some quality films. Yeah, things you know, that people want. Sometimes we see things like technically Flatliners is a female-led film by yeah, Ellen Page, definitely. and it made six million dollars this weekend, meaning that movie's gonna also lose that studio money. And, and, and it could work really. Like there's a film that I've always liked that I thought was was good was uh, if you guys remember that uh, the end of Watch with uh, Michael Pena and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. There's two cops, a Latino cop, white male cop, and that's almost like the studio knew Michael Pena probably cannot hold a film on his own, but Jake Gyllenhaal could. But mm-hmm. but the film when you watch it, they're together. It's not like one no, no, is no. a star over the other one. But yeah. I mean, they have to get people in the theater, right? Right. And no offense, but Michael Pena is not gonna get profit into those theaters that's the way that these studios should be looking at it in a way i know it sounds yeah. fucked up but if you have to pair them with someone sometimes then that's what you got to do and that's the way to do it and you know that movie is mostly a latino film actually yeah, really. yeah. and it just it, it depends and like mark was saying i think we're not i don't think everyone's quite ready quite yet it's getting there it's getting better especially with wonder woman this last year so wonder woman was a film i think for the first one of the first super strong superhero heroines, I guess. It's one of those movies that kind of is an eye opener. But then once again, there's a ton of films from this year that bombed that had all female cast. Yeah. Like Rough Night, that bombed. But you know, the, that other film um, with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, that did really well. And it's called 
remember. Exactly. Yeah. Rough so, night. That's what it was. Well, no, it was the same I just said rough night. <laughs> <laughs> you goddamn yeah, liar. <laughs> the other one where they always go out, but instead of white people, they're black. <laughs> they're black. Uh, snatched, following Amy Schumer, bombed. That did pretty well. well the guys, Circle, but... starring Emma Watson, bombed. Man. And I had Tom. Yeah, that one did. The one House, good starring Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler, bombed. Transformers, bombed. Uh, but Baywatch but going going, going back though, going back though to some earlier movies though, you got The Hunger Games with Jennifer Lawrence. No, that's a strong female yeah. lead. But once again, that's like the Spark of Fire. Plus, it's based on a very popular book. Yeah. So going into that one, that's just smart marketing that they a lot a lot of these young adult films. I think if they're done well, they do well. Like The Maze Runner is really well done too. Right. Um. But you know, just things like that. Alien Covenant, main female, bombed. Dark Tower, bombed. That starts a black lead. That's just poor writing. But so, I think I think that's where where I do really agree with James with saying that it has there has to be quality as well too. They they can't just say oh this will be our gem in here and we're mm-hmm. the deed is done we're gonna you know wipe our hands clean now we we can go back to the norm to the status quo and cast all Caucasians for this next film for this yeah, our money I, maker. And I think it's like Rogue One did really well, you know? And yeah. That was a mixture of everyone. That's a strong female lead and that's plenty of uh, minority characters in there. Even these, even people shit on it, but Suicide Squad did well. Yep. It actually turned a profit even though people want to say it didn't. It made over $745 million. It won an Oscar. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm sorry, that's an Oscar. <laughs> it's Academy Award winning film, Suicide Squad. I think it just depends. But then once again, it's a mixture of things, you know, Batman and Superman made, that made money too, so, right? Deadpool made a ton of money. Um, there's, it's just going down the list, but then it, it just hits things. Jungle Book did well. That's a minority too, right there. Mm-hmm. It's just a mix, but I feel like just, no, I'm not going to go read off the fucking list anymore, but. <laughs> Leading into it, it it depends. Like this year, the top grossing film so far is Beauty and the Beast, and that's starring Emma Watson. And but once again, it I think that leads because you also have a huge backlog of people that have relatable to that story, and it's just something that it's you know they're gonna watch it probably regardless who who was in it. Right. Yeah. Wonder Woman is the biggest surprise I think because critically wise. DC mm-hmm. films have not been up there, and this is the first one to kind of hit it out of the park. And I don't know. It's just one of those things where I think for now it's going to be kind of still hit or miss for a while. So I guess my question ultimately is, upon what you guys are saying, do you think that people are ready to see this, though? I, mean, I know there's a lot of hits and a lot of misses, mostly misses sounds like, <laughs> but... Um, do you think that Hollywood should try to make more films that maybe original scripts or even just a generic character that can be swapped in for anybody? It doesn't have to be male Caucasian. It can be female. It can be a minority or something like that. Or is it really that right now them sprinkling sprinkling in these movies with a minority cast or a, a female lead is just enough for what American I, th- is? I think as long as it's genuine, like they, the director or creator yeah. of this, that's my biggest thing is that I hate when people say something like, "Oh, Dunkirk was was okay, I guess, but there's where's there's no black people in there," and it's like, "Well, dude, that's, well, that's not what he was going movie. for, though." Right. You know, if it's a genuine thing where that director, that's the best person for the job, I you know, it's not being racist or anything. It's just my opinion on it. Like, if that's the way it's intended, or if that's the way that a director wants to follow and go the path with a mixture of. of different backgrounds and different ethnicities then hey more power to you like wonder woman had plenty of people like cal gadot is um 
Israeli, right? It, right. it also it also so. comes down with allowing more uh, like quality co- films, more quality, more quality films, but also allowing like more talent to enter Hollywood of different backgrounds. Ultimately, Hollywood sets the tone for everything. They're the ones that greenlight it, that you know, send it to you know the back alleys. But adding on to that, they though, do it's these also dead ideas. The consumers, your 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 money talks. Right. So if you want to keep seeing films like that, then you need to go out and see films like that, not these films where you're like, well, I don't know. It's like go and see it then, because if yeah. they see that those are the ones making money, they'll keep making it. If they keep seeing Ghostbuster movies, then they're gonna stop doing shit like that. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like, yeah, it's like hand in hand. Hollywood has to try to do more of these quality movies, and we as the audience have to go and support these movies and demand it because the more we go see it the more it's going to be put on demand if not then they're going to keep putting out the same stuff that they're doing so that's why that's why i'm saying it would be a hit or miss because technically it would have to be something that really interests me to go because i'm not just going to go and see a film because i'm like i gotta support the ladies today and see a chick flick no i want to i got it's got to genuinely interest me so hollywood needs to do a good job and then we need to do a good job of supporting the films that actually interest us that's that's it what about I don't think we ever asked Nabil what he thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, his question mean, too. I think what you just said right there He's is exactly it. Uh, what you said is, I think, exactly how I felt about it. It's, it's if you want to see the film, then you need to go out and support it and, and ask for more uh, of the films to be made. You know, be out there, show the studios if that's what you want to see. Let it translate in TV if that's what it needs to be. They'll, they'll start getting the point across. You'll start getting your point across and showing that. You know, I mean, America is very diverse now. It's been diverse for a while, but yeah. it hasn't always shown on television and on the big screen. And from what we've got now, I mean, it's 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 a good age of film. Um, we haven't gotten as many quality, um, like you guys saying, original quality uh, stories, but they are there. You just have to go out and spend the money to watch it. If you don't, you keep putting money in all these big movies, including the ones that aren't that great, <laughs> Transformers. Then, um, did you, did you, did you see Transformers to Bill? I did not. Then shut the fuck up. That's why, because I don't support the film. It's a fucking masterpiece, apparently. Truthfully, hey, truthfully, not bad. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. And there we go. So, uh, that but as well. yeah, that's what keeps it alive. You gotta, you gotta think though, like, you gotta put your how money many into fucking it? movies do I see a year, right? Sometimes I like to just turn my mind off. And that's not a bad thing. No, that's not a bad thing at all because that's what okay, they're James. there for. I think also, market wise, it's just that we're very lucky we live. Close to the Bay Area, we have access to practically every Any film kind that of comes film, out. Yeah. Nope. So some places I understand, but if you can go out and see an indie film or something not as well known, sometimes those are the best ones, man. Yeah, you'd and sometimes they're not. You'd be surprised how much they touch you or don't and freak you out and make you think. I just, you know, it's a good time. I think it's only going to get better from here, and I think we're going to start seeing an increase in female leads, and I think the studios will find out what works and what doesn't work, and that's my best. Hope for it is that down the line, it can just be, it can be as even a field as possible. Good topic, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Got kind of heated there. All right, so on to our review of Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Ooh. All right, so Kingsman: Golden Circle is a sequel to The Kingsman: Secret Service. And here's the IMDb um, summary on it here. When their headquarters are destroyed and the world is held hostage, the Kingsman journey leads them to the discovery of an allied spy organization in the United States. These two elite secret organizations must band together 
to defeat a common enemy. Um, <laughs> this is once again directed by Matthew Vaughn, and it stars um, Taron Egerton as Eggsy, and Mark Strong as Merlin, and Julianne Moore as the villain Poppy. And I guess we can jump into a spoiler slightly. Oh, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, let's let's save it. I would. First off, just starting off here, guys. <laughs> I think the trailers could have been a little better for this, especially with the. Re- There's a pretty big reveal in the trailers that kind of takes away from the first one. This is this is one of the. This is this is an, a good example of one of those topics we brought up Show, before. Showing <laughs> too much in the trailers. Yeah, it was a big uh, spoiler. My God, especially it would have been cool for this moment, which we will talk about in spoilers if it had never happened. So yeah. before we jump into that, though, I'm gonna start with Nabil here. Nabil, how did you like? Did you like or dislike the film here? I thought the film was fun, but I wouldn't say I I didn't dislike it, but I didn't think it was good as the original. What about you, Marco? I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was fun, like the Bill said. Um, it w- any of these movies aren't the smartest movies. Obviously, you go in there for the fucking. Action. I think they're, they're aware of that, though. Yeah. yeah, they're totally aware of it. So, I think it did its job at being a fun action movie. Um, the uh, the acting was good. Also, there's some funny moments. The cinematography was great. Uh, musical score was good. I liked it. Good action movie. Um, I didn't. I didn't think this movie was that good, which sucks because I really liked the first film. With um, it was really fresh. I know it's based on the comic book, but uh, based on a comic book by Mark Miller. But this one, for some reason, just had a lot of things that just after a while. At first, I re- I saw this with Nabil. I we watched it and I was like, man, that's pretty good. But then I noticed Nabil was like. Eh. And then See, I, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just got to say this because you, you, did you guys rewatch the first one before you saw this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Ba- based off of that, from the people who remember the first one or who saw the first one prior to seeing the second one, I obviously have the same opinion as you guys. I don't really remember the first one that much, and I didn't rewatch it before watching. If you watched the it, one. you would have the same. Yeah, I, I, I I'm almost, I'm almost wondering if my opinion would change if I watched rewatch. The first, the first one, one is a tighter film, has better action sequences. I know. Yeah, and um, overall, the, the it's funny because the arc of this film is almost the same as the first one. Yeah, mm. especially with the plot that by Julianne remember. Moore. I'd say that this movie runs about twenty minutes too long. On top of that. Uh, the first half I thought was terrible. It is very slow paced. Uh, there's maybe one action sequence in the first hour, and that's that's the first Opening. five minutes yeah. of the film. After that, there's a lot of setup, which you know is fine. But I didn't find I felt the cheesiness factor of this one just came off a little bit too much. For me, they were too, they were too woke. They were too aware <laughs> too of woke. what they were doing. They're making fun of themselves, and I didn't like they that. Make, which is fine because even the first one kind of makes fun. But of But I think itself. they like amped it up more in this one. Yeah, and I'd say that even though Julianne Moore does a pretty good job as the villain, I did, once again I thought it was still a pretty weak villain overall. Yeah, I liked her. Her plan is kind of the metaphor for drug use and like how it's technically the film's telling you like it's a bad thing and the guy's like i'm not doing that shit anymore i thought her evil plan was shitty honestly it uh, makes uh, sense because the nice thing that both of these films have done the first one and the second one is kind of humanize the villain in a way 
Yeah. And tell you, like, her whole thing is just because she wants to be known as a really successful businesswoman. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous if you think about yeah. it still. And it's like a cartoon villain. Yeah. I thought some of the CGI work on this was terrible, too. I'll agree there. Holy shit, man. There's a shot of the statesman. Like, I was oh, like, man, the bill's got to be dying in the inside right now. <laughs> it looks so shitty. I yeah, was like, was did they loot? Did they put all the money in the robot dogs? It's like, don't you, don't you, do you make more money in the sequel? I thought, which even, yeah, even the robot dogs, like the CG for them was horrible. I was like, mm, not intimidating. Um, I, yeah, the movie does go a little too long. There's, there's some scenes that they could have just like fucking skimmed over or fast forwarded. And, um, I will, I, yeah. I will say that what I did like though. Is that um, bringing back Charlie from the first film was actually pretty cool? Who's the guy with the robotic arm? Who from the first one oh, was yeah. the dropout? Yeah, I actually thought he was the That's better of the now. villains, which is random. I thought he was actually pretty cool, and I think that um, pa- uh, what's his name, Pablo Pascal? Yeah, his name. From, I believe uh, so. From Narcos. Yes. Right. Yeah. Who doesn't have a fucking? Not on the posters, by the way. Which is random. He's a big part of the film. Uh, Pedro Pascal, I'm sorry. He plays Whiskey. I thought he was one of the best characters in the film. Oh, yeah. He carried the scenes whenever like he was in them. Yeah. Him as a character, for the most part, is good. His in, motivation at the, the end, end. Yes, which I want to go over we'll in spoilers. Over, yeah. I will say that I agree with you on the two, those two characters. I also think that Channing Tatum's character was really good. For when he was there, yeah, he I was gonna like, say, was but he? they didn't use him though. Was he? So though? the the reasoning behind that, just to give everyone a back up, uh, Chantan plays a character called Tequila, which is because he's wild. <laughs> yeah, um, he actually had a bigger part originally, but because the movie got delayed so many times, uh, they had to remove his parts from the film. Um, Pedro Pascal was originally not cast in this movie; oh. he was added into this movie because Channing Tatum, because he was doing two other movies at the same time, could not do it, so they literally ice him. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, last year in CinemaCon, they actually showed scenes with um, Channing, Tatum. Channing Tatum with the lasso doing things. Oh, so, oh shit! That kind of a heads up. Is, I liked his character. I think, which yeah, but I actually I think Pedro Pascal as whiskey was pretty awesome too. Though. Yeah, we, we can get more. A little into fucking it in random though. though. Yeah. We'll we'll get into. Uh, I think most of the part though, like Halle Berry's underused in this Definitely, film. Yeah. She doesn't belong in the fucking movie. Like, what really they, was her that's, point? Once again, that's probably someone anybody could have done that role too. Yeah. yeah. I think it was cool. Her name was Ginger Ale though, because she's like a mixture to the alcohol. Yeah. She's like a addition to it. And, uh, and, and then Jeff Bridges was just was really there. random. He was just there. <laughs> no, I loved. I don't yeah, get me wrong. Good. I, I wasn't it weird. He smells everything. Yeah. That's <laughs> like everything. He would grab stuff because he's like, mm. he's like, yeah. And then I was like, dude, he's. Kind of fun, but once again, his he kind of probably could have been anyone yep, too. Anybody could have been on top of that, and um, I think we should go. Into, well, let's go into spoilers because there's too much. So we're gonna go into spoilers here because there's a lot more I want to talk about, but we have to jump right into this. So um, overall, I didn't. It was pretty mediocre. This is like a rent to me. I say uh, if you have a bargain day at your theater, you can probably check it out if you got like a five dollar Tuesday or something, or a movie yeah. pass. Uh, yeah, or, a movie or movie, if you have movie pass, yeah, check it out on this yeah. one. If not, yeah, I'd have to say rent it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'd say rent or stream, even because for me, it seemed like a film that you really just need to not pay too much attention to, just enough attention on the stuff that kind of catch your eye, and then you can overlook everything else. All right, so we're going to spoil this here. If you do not want to hear about this, go ahead, look at our summary to go to our outro. Stop listening to us. 
All right, so we're back from uh, doing our, we're actually doing our spoilers here. Um, so guys, so the trailers reveal that Colin Firth's character Harry Hart is alive. I think that was a really big missed opportunity. Yeah, but you could tell when they introduced that too that that was supposed to be a big spoil. Yeah, like a Matthew big Vaughn was like super pissed about. He didn't think they were going to really? do that. He has no control over the marketing team, and then they started just plastering him on the posters, and it was like, well. He's like, and he's still like pissed about it. I was pissed about it. I was like, why the fuck would you guys reveal that? That seems like a like something you say for when you go see the goddamn movie. You don't you really tell. That, that would have been a cool like reveal part. And yeah. like, oh shit, he's still alive. I had forgotten that he died in the original film. Yeah. And and then when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, what the hell? Nabil literally up. saw the film the night before too. So how the <laughs> how the fuck did you forget that? No, dude? I mean before I saw the original film, I forgot that he had died. Oh okay. I was about to like, dude, yeah. what? So I was like, I, oh my god, I can't believe that. He's like, I dump all my memories each night. So. <laughs> Gotta move on. There's a lot of movies to watch. A lot of shit to do. Um, I thought there was a lot of fucking random deaths, too, that did not need to happen. I was really upset that I we invested all that time with the girl in the Roxy. beginning of the film. Roxy. I can't believe Roxy died. Oh, yeah. yeah that's what's going to be one of the things that pissed me off. I was like, I didn't remember Roxy, but then I sort of like looked up the first movie again and read up on her, and I was like, wait Roxy a minute. Roxy okay, is the one her. person that actually makes the first film not sexist, because right. a lot of people are like, it's super sexist, and... It's like no, Roxy's a better agent than fucking Exy is. And they call that yeah. out. And yeah. she even beats him in. Th- and she becomes Lancelot. He doesn't yeah. become Lancelot. And the thing is, when she died, I kept thinking she's gonna come back. It's like there's no fuck. Cause like she scrambles, she sees the missile coming. She's like, oh shit! And then I was like, she's okay. got to be alive, right? All right. And then two hours later, I was like, fuck, she's dead. She did not come back. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was fucking awesome. The, not the argument. I was pissed about that, dude. Yeah, I. I I was upset, but I, I I didn't really like remember her. And then like as I read up on the first movie and her character, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, she should have been in the movie. And even with that too, like I like that they kind of moved forward and and made uh, Xy have that relationship with the the Danish princess, uh, Princess Till. Yeah, but. What I didn't like is what they did with her character because she was just she's still a damsel in distress. Yeah, she's the whole time, and and the argument that they have, uh, you know, there was a scene over there where they were he had to implant something. He wanted to be honest with his girlfriend because he might have to sleep with with the lady. Like that just seemed like the you're just causing drama for no yeah. yeah no for, for no reason. It seemed unnecessary. And once again, I think that scene, even that scene in particular, probably took it too far. I didn't really particularly like that scene. No. Where he has to technically like finger the chick, and yeah. they make a joke about it earlier, saying, "Well, exactly. you can just go put it in their nose." I'm like, "But who and I feel like do that? the fact that you got a camera shot of it going in, I, yeah. I think a cutaway or fade away, a little too much, man. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of strange, right? right? It's it's thematically wise, it's, it's the most different scene out of the entire film. Yeah, um, it's just so strange. And then I didn't like that fucking Merlin dies. Yeah, that upset me. That like, was dumb as fuck. He got fuck. to be an agent in the field, and it's like, well, he's going to sacrifice you know, himself. You know, huge pothole is that throughout the film, they talk about turning off the ma- landmines, right? Yeah. Yeah. So why didn't they... Is just like, all right, just sit here, chill. We're going to go fucking kick some ass and turn off the button, and you can join us. All right. Because I thought the joke yeah. was going to be... I thought the joke was going to be, you didn't fucking turn on the landmines again, you know, when they got up over there. That was like another death, and I was like, man, Mark Strong's character... 
is literally one of my favorite characters from these last two movies. Same. So if they make another one without him, I'm like, fuck, there goes oh, some he's like... Up. He's dead. They show that's him what, flying. Oh, no, he's dead. Yeah. yeah. That, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, if they make a third one, it's not going to be as complete because he... Well, for one, Roxy's gone. Off, and now they kill Merlin. Th- there's I was no like, fucking... Wow, there's no no one's left. Yeah. They're part of the Statesman. Their subdivision, because you know America owns everything, so it's fine. It's a sub part of it. True. I well, because they too. they do show um, Channing Tatum at the end. It would be kind of cool to have him more in the film. It'd be nice. And then the character. Don't Julian, get me wrong, though, because Eggsy still does the guy that plays Eggsy does a really good oh, job. Yeah, still. he's still his he's character. Kind of he's still on point that of the character. character. I think I feel even though I didn't like this one as much as the first one, he's I feel like he's a lot more comfortable for sure in that role this time around. I think also, as far as the villain's concerned, whereas the first film, they used Samuel Jackson more, and it seemed like he had more of a grounded motivation as a crazy guy, crazy billionaire who's trying to help the world. Julianne Moore's character, those, her motivation was fine. Um, she didn't do anything. She was in a room, three three scenes. I think she was total Actually, three scenes. I don't think she ever leaves that room. Yeah, she's no. in there for three scenes to show one scene where she's menacing, and then the other two, she's just kind of there. Talking and the president, yeah, the, the president, was just yeah, horrible. The president was fucking so over the top. Yeah, too. that seemed like a reach right there. It's funny because originally they were gonna plan to have it like a Trump kind of thing, where it's gonna be all bling down in gold, the whole thing. But that's back when um, they thought Hillary was gonna win. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it was originally they're like, no, nah, that's gonna be too much. And now I bet now they would have been like, fuck, we should have done that. <laughs> but that part was, so, oh man, that part too with the cages. Yeah. I was like, "Fuck! This is where it got too campy for me." Yeah, it went a little over the top for me, and the the president being a fucking jackass like was a little like I was like, "You guys didn't really need, was need another, that subplot yeah, in there." Exactly. No, yeah. I thought the I same like, thing. I was like, "Man, this subplot is so fucking unnecessary." Yeah, and that's where it, it, it added been, another twenty seven minutes. I was like, "If we could just lower that yeah. down, it would have been different if that would have been established earlier in the movie, and he would have been part of the." But whole it's whole like an hour and forty minutes. Exa- in. Exactly, and it's just like, well, this is sort of fucking out of left field. And how do they? How do they close it? They just shut. He's impeached. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're gonna do our best yeah. to get there everything back else together. Going. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? All because uh, the chick smoked a little bit of the Mary Jane. Right. She's like, I stress out. <laughs> I was like, smoke, smoke weed like a real motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> uh, and then I thought Elton John was too fucking much. I liked him at first, but but then it's like a dad yeah, joke. Like, okay, we get it. He's it. there. He's yeah. he's a good guy. Fine, whatever. No, I, I was fucking dying every time. Like he was he was there and just going crazy. I thought he, I thought he was one of the best parts he was of the a, movie. He really? was a comic yeah. relief in a, com- uh, a comic yeah. movie. He was, comedy just movie, because you know? I'd never no, seen him go wild was like right. that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like what was the he point? He was so like one scene with him would have been fine. Yeah, but then him like kicking ass, breaking the fourth wall, and looking at the camera and winking. I was like, God damn! I was fucking dying. I liked his. I was dying. The, apparently, the Kingsman movies just love anal jokes, right? Yeah. Like right. that's the big joke in the first one. Yeah. Uh, this one time around, it's like you know what happens when you save the world, and then Elton John does his own joke where he's like, "I'll even give you backstage passes," and I was like, <laughs> "Anal joke again." <laughs> the but what we haven't talked about, which is the seems like the most unnecessary part of the film, is the mountaintop scene in Italy. Oh, the one that goes on for four hours? Right. Oh, my God. Holy like, fuck, dude. Is the and then they blow it up at the end? Dude, he goes there and grabs things. one vial. I'm right. like, you could have grabbed six of them. Yeah, dude. Or He's the like, whole fucking thing. Just saying. Uh, uh, two, anything. maybe. Yeah. Not anything. Anything more than one. And then, the, again, that's where the motivation of whiskey is revealed, and it seems so weak. That it seemed tacked on, actually. Yeah. And Colin Firth. Harry's Colin like, Firth's, I shot him. Uh, I shot him. Colin Firth's kind of whole, like, 
I can tell you he's he's not being honest. He's not, you know, he he's he's a traitor or whatever. It's like tell me why? Why are you hiding? Yeah. Why are you being so deceptive? And about then it? the whole thing is they never clarify if whiskey and anyone else are actually in the fucking like organization on whiskey's side yeah it just seems like they go back and jeffrey's just like sorry about that yeah Yeah. it's crazy and then i was like wait what just because he's gonna use it and then prices of alcohol would go up because people can do drugs anymore right i was like what a weak ass fucking ending to that right (laughs) way too many subplots and can they stop Uh. fucking eating people in that film (laughs) man that was kind of creepy dude that was hella fucking creepy where the dude has to eat the hamburger yeah yeah angel angel and hell, he's like, it's good. But, you know, with that, I mean, the things we... What did you guys like about them? The action, that's what I was say. The action scenes were great. Yeah. I liked I, all the action scenes. I, the, the beginning, the beginning, the opening sequence is good. I thought that as, as whiskey ridiculous... Is whiskey was as, good. Yeah. I wanted more fucking whiskey. No, not whiskey. I'm sorry. Tequila. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no. Dude, sure. yeah. the scene where he's fucking dancing. I sound like an alcoholic right now. I was now. like, yes, Channing, dance. The ending dance. fight scene was good. That was great. The it was fights. only cool because it was against whiskey. Yeah. Because they couldn't yeah. fucking get a good bad guy. Even Charlie, yeah, this fight scene is kind of cool with his fucking uh, arm, arm thing going yeah. on. But on a commando shit, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. But then he fucking kills him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, did he break his neck? Yep, he's gone. Yep. And then, you know, it's... I just don't think... I think they try... It seems like a lot of shit was tacked on. The original run of this film is three hours and 45 minutes oh long. Holy shit. So you can tell that there's there's a there's a lot of parts in this film you can tell are cut from something else. Yeah. Especially that fucking first 45 to an hour. I can tell that's where the most cuts were made. Yeah. I'm like, I'm assuming there was some more shit in between those. Like, did we have to see the scene with meeting the parents? And mm-hmm. like, did we have to see him that was chilling boring. with his friends? Did we have to? You know, it's like, yeah. it's a lot of these setup things that could have just went quick, you know? But they take 20 minutes on it. It's like, fuck, dude. And then the scene in the snow. Yeah, I feel that like, was just ridiculous. Like, from the scene, it's like they changed it. Like, oh, he's going to steal this. He's going to go down. Then he's going to go to a random cabin. Yeah, is it? That's just yeah, like, why the nowhere. fuck are they in the cabin? Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, he's like, I'm going to go back. And I literally, when he said that, I looked at my watch. I was like, God damn it. He's really going back to the fucking <laughs> know, cabin. Right? We don't have time for this. I was like, we don't have time for this shit. Come on, man. I said, yeah. I was like, I've seen the fucking scene in the trailer. What else Get happened? Get this here? shit going. Come on. And then it blows up. I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I breathe the sun. And then the scene, even the scene where he goes to the fucking music festival is unnecessary. That scene took forever, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it seems like it was added just to add drama. Like, oh wait, he's in a relationship. Shit, we gotta add a scene to like. Uh, Can't forget bre- about that. Brought that up. <laughs> oh, this but she's totally okay with it as long as there's marriage involved. Right. So I was like, fuck. And there's another step down, right? It's just that, that. That's what eventually I thought about this film, and that's why I event like I came to the conclusion. I was like, I don't think I really like that overall. Yeah. I it, uh, I don't know. I I think a lot of it's excusable just because it is just a freaking. Tom action movie, really? But like, see, it's if it's a dumb action film, it doesn't need to be two hours and twenty seven minutes long. No, I I agree with you guys on the fucking length. The length, like, there's a lot that could have been cut. All the scenes that you mentioned, all the boring scenes, the parents, the snow scene, the concert, all that shit could have been like shortened up That's to, like in order to half speed up the movie. Though, yeah, it literally is. Movie. It literally is. I also had. And, and then I also t- had like some drinks before I <laughs> saw this movie. So Marco saw the film at nine thirty at night, <laughs> and I even told him bad move. 
Uh, yeah. Shit, we, me and Nabil saw it at seven, and even Nabil couldn't stay away. I was knocking out off halfway through it. Nabil was like, what happened? Harry's back? <laughs> <laughs> even even the nostalgia theme that they that Julianne Moore's uh, villain character had kind of built, they didn't really do anything with that. They don't even the, explain the, it, The dude. burger diner thing. They don't even... They barely, with it. She's like, I like shit that's old. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's like... Yeah, she's s- a hollow character. There's like nothing... No, yeah, I'm like, no are real we development on her. Just, okay, she's fucking batshit crazy. Awesome. I'm like, why didn't she pull up the Statesman? Yeah. Yeah. Technically, because they're super secret. Is that the only one they know of? Then she only knows of the Kingsman, and that's only because of what's his name with the, the arm? arm. Yeah. Ah, oh, God, it's so fucking stupid. Anyways, hey, I still opinion. enjoyed it. So, <laughs> action scenes were good. It's just the film, from what you got from the first one and what you got for the second one, they're not the same kind of movie. Who would you recommend it to, though, if you were to recommend it to someone? I, I would say, like, if Nabil says if no. <laughs> It, man, if you're just looking for something to turn your brain off, you're just looking for something for fun, just check it out. If not, you know what? Rent it, stream it, because I'm pretty sure it'll be on Netflix once it's out of theaters. If you want to watch something to turn your brain off of, just watch Flatliners, because they literally turn your brain off. <laughs> <laughs> but in, um, I'd say Kingsman, the original, definitely worth a watch. The people who watch the second one will not be um, as excited. So if you haven't seen the original, maybe you're just better off just watching the second one. And uh, getting an idea of what the film might could have been about, <laughs> but it definitely doesn't live up to the potential it should have been. Yeah, um, it's a rent at tops, so I can't I can't recommend it to anybody. Unless you'd have to have even because I'm saying like if you love the first one, I feel like you wouldn't like this one that much because of just the shortcomings of it. But see, now I have to watch the first one again. Yeah, dude, you should always do that. Uh, well, you we're know in a. What? We're the Movie Pals podcast. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was already upset that they fucking revealed the dude in the trailer. I was like, you know what? I don't need to watch this death son of again. A bitch. So fuck no, um, I would just I wait. Just you. red box it, stream it, or don't waste your money on it. No red dollar twenty nine ain't gonna kill you. All right, so that's our review of Kingsman: The Golden Circle, and that is the end of episode seven of the Movie Pals podcast. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for our listens here. We appreciate all the feedbacks, uh, feedback that we got, responses, reviews. Um, it's crazy. Like we're getting more and more viewers, so it's not just friends and family at this point. It's some random strangers. So hello, getting ready to take over the world here. So. Yeah, <laughs> the Bill already quit his job. I know. Where do you so, think he's been uh, for three I weeks? We need everybody to tell all your friends about this because we need as many viewers and subscribers, our listeners and subscribers. Trying to sell ad space, baby. Come on. Um, now. So Marco, where can we find uh, our information for Twitter, Facebook, please? Well, you guys can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com/slash moviepalspod. You can also add us on Twitter at moviepalspod. Uh, leave us some feedback. Again, we're still uh, asking you guys to send uh, any topics you guys want us to go over. Uh, we still have some from the last time that we'll probably review in future episodes. Leave us a review as well, too. And um, overall, just tell us what you think. Yeah, and we may be having another giveaway, so keep uh, your ears open for that. And Nabil here has a kind of an event coming up that he wants to tell everybody about. Yeah, um, I'd like to just invite everybody to the 21st Annual Arab Film Festival. Um, the Arab Film Festival, it's its one of the longest-running independent festivals of its kind in North America. Uh, it was launched back in 1996. The festival's gained an international reputation for excellence, and it offers audiences access to media that reflects the lives of underrepresented and provocative themes and groups on a cultural and societal level. 
The purpose is to present the best of contemporary films that uh, illuminate the richness of Arab culture and stories through authentic narratives and images, providing insight into the beauty and the complexity of the Arab world. Um, so I invite everybody to come celebrate the opening of the festival on October 13th. It's at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. It's going to be opening with the movie Solitaire. That's actually directed by Sophie Boutros, a first-time Lebanese director. Um, this opening uh, will be at 7.30 p.m., um, this, I'll give you a little bit of synopsis of the film. It was uh, 20 years past the Lebanese-Syrian War. Uh, still, Therese didn't get over her brother's death by a Syrian bomb. Today, her only daughter is getting engaged. Only when the suitor and his parents are at her doorstep, she discovers they're Syrian. Now, if you can't make the opener, don't worry. The festival runs from October 13th until October, uh, October 22nd. And, of course, you can get more info of all the films playing by uh, going to ArabFilmInstitute.org slash festival awesome sounds good so good that i've never gone to it <laughs> i've tried to get james to go a couple times he's always seems to be busy each time uh, the opener comes now incidentally I'm, I'm gonna try this year i'm i'll be there at the opener um so i'll be there just mouth no. if you guys want to uh, look out for me just let me know send me a tweet at and lothe um let me know you'll be there and i'll come out and look for you guys that'd be really cool actually and kind of creepy <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here in a bill <laughs> All right, guys, so had a lot of fun today, but uh, just to let you know, our next one, which we may do a little earlier, I'm not sure, but we are going to be reviewing for episode eight, Blade Runner 2049. Can't fucking wait. So excited. Okay, so until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And uh, this was the Movie Pals podcast. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.